I am grateful to Larissa, who took the time for an Orange Sox interview by phone to talk about her son, Zacchaeus, who has Cornelia DeLange syndrome, a very rare condition. All right, so Larissa, thank you so very much for taking the time to speak with me. I'm honored that you would talk about your son. Tell me, when did you find out that Zacchaeus uh, had Cornelia DeLange syndrome? So officially we found out about his diagnosis just an hour or so after he was born via C-section. However, we had multiple indications that he had the syndrome prenatally. We were doing lots of testing and frequent ultrasounds and it started out at our eight-week appointment. The doctor said, you know what, you're measuring just a little bit small, but you know, it doesn't seem of any concern at this time. So we just ran with that and then at our 13-week ultrasound, they measured him and he measured two weeks behind. So he was now at 11 weeks and they said, okay, he's still a little small, but still we're not seeing anything too concerning. So fast forward to our anatomy scan at 20 weeks. He was measuring anywhere between 16 to 17 weeks. And at this point, we were seeing many abnormalities. The biggest thing that they can see, obviously, was his low growth. He was not measuring where he should be or where I should have been gestationally. He had micronapia, which is an undersized jaw. So they were seeing some facial defects as well. So at that point, I was seeing a midwife, and they referred us out to maternal fetal medicine. During that time, they had done some more testing. We had an amniocentesis, we had a chromosome analysis, and we had a microarray. And surprisingly, all of those tests came back completely normal. At that point, decided to refer us out to Children's Hospital. And so at that point, we were collaborating with Children's Hospital, and they were doing their own workup. So I had a full-body extremity MRI, and I had a fetal echo. And during one of my last ultrasounds, my, the MSM doctor actually said, I, you know what, I think I'm going to go ahead and do this ultrasound myself. And I instead of the sonographer. So I said, okay. So I'm doing the ultrasound, and I'm watching his facial expressions and um, just trying to read what going on and he said you know what your son has abnormally long eyelashes for his gestational age i suspect he may have this syndrome and he told me it's called cornelia delane syndrome and he wanted us to meet with a geneticist we did not have a chance to meet with a geneticist before he was born premature but that diagnosis was confirmed clinically at birth and then six weeks later after testing confirmed it so what advice or what counseling did your physician offer you when they found out that you had some issues in pregnancy with the baby? Well, actually, initially, we were offered, I don't feel like we were really pressured, but our first offer was to terminate the pregnancy. And we had just gotten the news of everything that was going on in itself, and we didn't really have enough time to even process what was really happening. So, you know, we kind of sat back, they gave us a minute, they left. Me and my husband, you know, I cried and we talked, and we decided we were not gonna terminate the pregnancy. And when they came back in, they gave us our, you know, they gave us other options. They told us that they would like to do an amniocentesis, and that's when the testing began. At that point, it was hard emotionally. It was very hard. It was something new to us. It was new to our family. Um, even though it's a, um, a gene mutation, we have not had anyone in the family have any gene mutations of this sort. 
And so they just decided to offer us counseling, but I did decline that. I had lots of family support. My husband was tremendously supportive, and I felt like we could get through it as a family together. So Cornelia DeLange syndrome is pretty rare. Can you tell me a little bit about it? Absolutely. So it is um, said to be occurred in one in 10,000 live births. And like I said, there's not too much research into the syndrome since it's such a rare disorder. But what it does entail is restricted growth and they could potentially have no limbs or partial limbs, congenital organ defects, developmental delays. And even though we don't really know where that falls on this syndrome, it could be anywhere from severe to mild, and we don't really know what the prognosis of that is, but we do know that the biggest thing is that all of the kids with this syndrome all kind of have similar features in their face. You know, they have what I like to call his unibrow. <laughs> has very long eyelashes and they're really small. They have they have small fingers and toes. They are symmetrical to their body, but they are abnormally small. My son does not, but they could potentially have seizures, trouble with their growth motor, fine motor, walking, crawling, um, eating, definitely eating disorders. A lot of them are traits um, or are on oxygen. Um, my son does have a cleft palate. So that, along with his micronasia, makes it that much more complicated to eat. But we're just taking it one day at a time, and we hope that there will be more research and more knowledge about his syndrome as we continue to grow with him. Well, and some of the issues they can fix, like the cleft palate, heart issues, does does he have heart issues? So, um, his kid was born um, with a VSD and a pulmonary stenosis. So when he was about five months old, he did have open heart surgery to repair them. There is some mild leakage. And so at some point in his life, he will have to have another open heart surgery. His first initial surgery was G-tube surgery. Like I said before, he, he doesn't eat. And so his main nutrition comes from his G-tube. So we did place a G-tube in him. His second surgery was the open heart surgery. His third surgery, he had what's called a mandibular distraction. So what we did was we moved his jaw forward so that we can open up his airway so he can his sleep apnea could potentially resolve and eating can, can get better for him. And then we have the hardware removal a couple weeks later. So we've kind of been riding out the hospital trips a lot, but you know, it's all to benefit, it's all in his best interest and it's all to benefit his health and his condition. We're kind of giving him a break from surgeries for now. And in a year, we're hoping to fix his cleft palate. Unfortunately, we can't do that right now because we will compromise his airway, but we hope to fix that and get him eat for nutritional value and we hope that will help him and his quality of life. So you think that down the road you might be able to remove the G-tube and he might be able to eat uh, by mouth then? Uh, that's ultimately the goal. It's potential that he may still have to have the G-tube for some nutritional value such as uh, more calories and such but we're hoping that he can eat enough to supplement all the calories that he is getting from the G-tube and you know to help with his fine motor and his sensory and, and other things that go along with that you know we work really hard with his therapist to work on these sorts of things and like I said he does a one of his therapists is um, vision he does the vision therapy as well to help his eyes his stigmatism in his eyes one of the things with his syndrome as well is they have 
have low, uh, his, his eyelids, eyelids are set lower than ours would be, so his vision is, could be affected by that. So we work really hard to strengthen his eyes and his, his vision and his tracking to continue helping his other parts of him to grow and develop properly. Interesting. Thank you for explaining a little bit about Cornelia DeLange syndrome. So you ob- you obviously didn't abort the, your, the, the pregnancy and, and you had your son. What have been some of the, the greatest challenges that you've faced in uh, raising him? He's how old now? He is two years old. He's just like three months over two. Okay. So over the last little better than two years, what have been some of the, some of the challenges? I'd say our biggest is learning how to balance everything. It's been a struggle to learn how to balance our work life, our older son. And then my son, Zacchaeus, he has four different therapies. He sees 10 different specialists. So it's just been challenging kind of balance out all his therapies and appointments and our outside life and um, trying to just optimize his life and give our older son time to normalize everything and balance everything has been quite a challenge but always rewarding as well. Tell me about the joys. Oh, the joys. That kid's never ending. He is awesome. He has taught us so much perseverance. I think one of the biggest joys that we've gotten out of him, besides him himself, is that he's just brought my family so close together. And not just my immediate family, like my husband and my son, but our siblings and our grandparents, our aunts and uncles. And everybody has been such a tremendous support system. He's kind of brought us together and he's kind of taught us how to self-educate ourselves to help us his life. He's just, he's been really amazing. We've been able to advocate for him really well and I feel like it's been awesome to learn and to grow with him because unfortunately he does, there's not much research on his syndrome so we don't know entirely his prognosis but it's been such a joy to just learn and accept every single stage of development that he's in and his journey. It's been amazing to just enjoy that with him and include ourselves and be there with him, support him. That's wonderful. I guess I'm, I'm wondering if I came to you and somehow prenatally ended up with a diagnosis that we knew that we were having a child with Cornelia DeLange syndrome, or I found out after birth, either one, what advice would you give me? I think my main advice to any parent who has any type of diagnosis prenatally in utero would be to use your resources. I think a lot of people are not fully aware of the full extent of resources that are out there. You don't quite understand it until you have to start using them. And just to utilize them, they're there to help you. And um, so it can be scary and very intimidating because you don't really know what to expect as a parent expecting for a special needs child. But they're there to help you and they're there to guide you. And sometimes you kind of just have to accept it and and let them help you and let them guide you and and kind of walk with you through the journey and and be a guidance for you because I think that's been very important to me because had I not had the correct support system or resources, I think it could have been a lot more emotionally damaging than if you don't use the resources that you have. Sure. So you have to take him to lots of doctors, lots of therapists. My assumption is he's he's a lot more work than than your your other child. You have an older. I, I son? do. I have a six year old. He's very healthy and rambunctious. He's fun as well. But with all the work that this little guy is taking, is it worth it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think that's another thing that we've enjoyed is I was. We only have one other child, and I was a little worried to say the least of how he was going to take everything because we spent a lot of time in 
NICU and um, he's had multiple surgeries. So we spent a lot of time doing the hospital life. And I was just a little worried on how my son would take it. And I feel like he's kind of accepted it as well. And it taught him to love in a different way. And he's so gentle with him and loving with him. And I think we've all just come to um, grow together as a family. And my fears that I initially had are not even present anymore because I just I'm confident in our love for him that none of that matters anymore. That's great. Any final remarks? Anything else that you'd like to say? I do. I just want to say, looking back at it all now, it just makes me really appreciate him. And I just want everyone to know that sometimes you are going to have diagnoses that are unknown up until delivery, or even maybe years after delivery, you may not have a definitive diagnosis. But I think that's the scariest thing that people can come across because for us, we weren't really sure if we were, you know, planning for a funeral or planning for a baby shower. And that was really hurtful for us. We didn't know what to expect. And I think that's really scary to people. But I think you just really can be strong about it. Because like I said, there's so much support system out there. And even parent to parent, there's many doctors and many clinics and many resources that you can use that can make you help you become strong enough to do it because it is definitely worth it and I would never advise anyone to terminate a pregnancy because they're the biggest blessing and they'll give you all the strength and you'll learn to advocate as a parent through their journey and it's amazing and I would I would be there right with you to take the journey with you if I had to do it all over again. That's wonderful. You're awesome. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk with me. I'm, I'm honored that you did. Thank you so much for listening to his story, and I just hope that it helps other parents become stronger, and, and I really appreciate that you took the time to interview us for our story. 